Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Seaspire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 355, and today we'll be talking about Ping from Glitch Text. I'm GC13. And I'm David. So we're back to the Glitch Text, and they're keeping it old school today with a game of Pong, I mean Ping, causing trouble in the neighborhood. This was a episode somewhat rich with uh, retro callbacks, including what I guess is now a retro callback even to Portal. That I don't think the the kids <laughs> watching would actually know. That was a oh I'm old moment, you know. I don't even when I think of Portal, I actually think of the first Portal, not even the you know Portal Two. Yeah. Now the Portal reference was actually really funny with me because I saw the episode the first time and did not get the reference at all, and then the second time I watched it, I think it was the second time that I watched the episode I got it, but the episode that I finally got it. I didn't get it when it happened. It was minutes later when, I I think it's when Five is on the pixel and he's just being flung out of town. I think it's around then that it it finally clicked in my head a couple minutes later. Oh, oh, that's the cake is a lie reference. I get it now. And you're usually much faster at those than me. But sometimes I think there was a little bit of influence as well because we sure had fun playing with portals. Uh, in this episode, I liked Ooh. that we pushed the idea of exactly how the physics of this pixel would work in the real world once the ping pixel was released and bouncing around. It went from just gentle, you know, tapping back and forth to, hey, wait, would capturing it in a box really work? Oh, I guess not. It would just fly through the foundation basement of this <laughs> uh, game shop. Although you do have to say, Five had some incredible accuracy and reflexes to be able to get the box down perfectly on it when it was moving at that speed. I mean, he also had a spine of steel because his body was yeah completely smashed mean, against that, yes. that wall like that. Steven Universe level smashing against walls where the impact crater appears, except, you know, in Steven Universe he actually had healing spit running through his veins or something weird like that. I, but then finally it culminates with, you know, Miko trying uh, the portal idea out. And I like that, you know, we see what happens with the pixel just forming this continuous line that apparently ruins the stability of the portals themselves, which is interesting. Well, I think it's because the portals can only handle doing so much. And since it's moving faster and faster and faster, it's asking to be transported more and more times per second. And I like to think that the reason that the pixel was speeding up is that the portals add just a little bit of speed to you as you're coming out the portal so that you don't just poop, plop right at, right down at the bottom. Well, because as we know Makes from Portal, me. something, something, momentum. Well, in Portal, the portals maintain your momentum perfectly, whereas in this, it only works if it adds a little bit of speed to you. It always felt like there was a little bit of boost going through things in Portal. I don't know, have you tried, like, just dropping the portal, like, right underneath yourself, and then having the exit also be on the floor? It's not pretty. (laughs) But yeah, this, uh, just had uh, a lot going on. And also, while all these other things were happening, playing with a pixel, we had the, you know, sort of muted, kind of sad little story of of Five's dad being in prison, which I, uh, I guess I've just been, I've had writers abuse me too many times with kids with dead parents and i'm i don't want to say pleasantly surprised but i am surprised that it's not i have a dead 
dad or dead mom, I'm like, oh, there's other things that could be sad for kids about their parents. And this is one of them, <laughs> you know? Wow, creativity. Yeah, I mean, uh, don't be don't be too upset, though. His His mother is probably dead. Right, of course. There's always the chance for a dead mother. It's an animation classic. He would fit right in in Beach City. They never explained that. <laughs> um, I mean, there are horrible explanations mm. online, but I won't think about that. I think Greg only likes rocks. So... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there's a... There's a... What's it, what's it called? Dateline episode about Greg Universe just waiting to be made. <laughs> Perhaps. Or is that, the, is that the one I'm thinking of? The one where they, they drag out a murder story for way longer than they need to tell it. <laughs> that might be it. I think it's Dateline. Thinking of space and rocks, um, because I'm really good at transitioning, I also thought that we could have finished off this whole pixel problem earlier if when five was launching into space we just allowed the pixel to go into space because then it's gone right yeah I, I don't know like have you played uh have you played or at least read about that paperclip making ai game like you're just asking for that pixel to come back with the fleet later i don't think the pixel was ever going to get more advanced i do think that it's very weird to think about the idea that these earth created glitches could be these indestructible you know, forces through space that somewhere some alien civilization is destroyed by just this flying cube thing that suddenly appears millions of light years later. And now everyone who has ever played Mass Effect 2 before, uh, their their eyes just suddenly lit up with recognition. <laughs> yeah. You are ruining someone's day! <laughs> no spoilers! It's an interesting concept. Maybe someone will make it into a game. <laughs> So I, I love that I, I love that we finally introduced Miko to Five's minions, as she called them. He has minions that we we met in the very first episode, but we finally discovered their secret lair, which and why he doesn't hang out with them all the time. I, yeah, I like that. There's the arcade. I love Jerry, and I would hope if there were more seasons <laughs> of Glitch Sex that we'd get to see Five hanging out in this arcade more often. Now that he he's not waiting for his dad to come back to allow himself to go in, which I do think is a sweet enough idea and is also different than the, oh, I can't go to this place because the memories are too sensitive because, again, I have the dead parent. Like, no, he's trying to respect that this is like a place that he and his dad came and trying to make that moment of, of, of waiting for his release to be special. And I'm I'm not even sure I disagree with the sentiment. Like, that's kind of a good thing. Whereas, it, it's a little different with death, right? You're like, at some point, grief, process, and, and move on and enjoy life. And you should be able to do that when daddy's in jail. But also, it's a more temporary thing. So I don't think you should live your life in pain. And also, they did show he had a bunch of friends and, and you know, cute, sweet little minion children. So he should be able to enjoy those. And that's what his dad would want. I mean, his dad obviously did want that. He was he even said how happy he was to hear that he finally went to the arcade again. I, I guess his father had been wanting him to go, but I don't know. Every time I watch this episode, I think like, man, five, like you're talking being away from that arcade for 15 or 20 years. That's a 
that's a long time to vow to stay away until your father comes back, you know? I Yeah, well, one, I don't want to divert on it yet, but it's just like, man, White Hat hacking ended him up in jail for how many years? That's interesting. And two, five, like, it has his weekly call and whatever, but I am just surprised that... He's been holding on to this thing and hasn't talked about it with his dad at all. Like, hey, dad, I can't wait to do this when you come back, but I'm not going right now. Like, I guess that sort of helps cement in my mind the idea of what makes it unhealthy to be doing this practice is you're just like trying to create these rules for yourself that don't even involve the other person is not not a good thing. I I do wonder how high do you think the odds are that the person he hacked was Hinobi? And that's why the punishment is so harsh. Yes, so that's exactly what I'm thinking. Hanobi's clearly the big secret dark force in this world, and it's too convenient that Five's dad is a programmer, a a game developer, and a white hat hacker who maybe pushed too far against uh, the boundaries of things, which is just the perfect conflict, right? For Five to be within Hanobi and then find out, you're the reason my dad's in jail! Like, come on. It's it's too perfect for the drama, but will we ever get to see that realized? I don't know. Especially considering the season finale, they have a, let's just say there's a different set of rules for employees who steal files. Oh, don't, oh, don't tempt me. I'm taking it slow. Still haven't hit the finale. Still going episode by episode. It's worth it. It's worth it. So I guess we have the, uh, I think everyone knows a Mitch in their life. Do you think oh. that's fair to say? They only like the pretty, shiny games. No respect for the old school. Mitch, I I love that Mitch brings up this little conversation. I love us getting to divert into our gaming philosophy segment when we do Glitch Checks episodes. And this time around, Mitch brings the viewpoint that retro games are just boring and simplistic and old-fashioned. Why would you play them? There's no meaning when modern games let you do cooler stuff like blow stuff up. And I don't think Five gives the best argument for why retro games are still good, because he only says that it's about their foundational aspect. You have to recognize them for what they contributed. Now, what Five is coming at this from is he does make a very valid argument in that it's important to play them because you understand the building blocks of everything. By by knowing how we got to where we are, you are much better prepared to understand, especially if you want to create games, understanding the way they evolved and why will help you make a better game rather than just be like, oh, well, here's where we are. Let's just try to tweak it. But uh, I think you're right. The games are fun in their own right in many ways. Like, I know it's not super old school, but I was just playing Fallout 2 on GOG a while ago, and it's like, yeah, this isn't a major release these days, but if an indie studio were to come out with a Fallout 2 nowadays, maybe, I don't know, call it Underrail or something, you'd have a lot of people say, yeah, this is still a fun game. Or going back way further, for me, when I think about old games that are definitely frustrating, but I still can't help but love them, the the first Metroid is, it's it's BS in some segments. Like, you have to play it with a guide in 2021. Because otherwise, you're you're not an eight-year-old who has the time to sit in the morph ball and bomb every single spot of every wall. And also, you can't play without, like, save slots or, you know, instant saves and recovers at this point. Yeah, save states, yeah. Yeah, 
because there's too many ridiculous enemy respawning rules in that game. And yet I love it so much. Like the the difficulty is something like, you know, playing an old Metroid or Ninja Gaiden or something, but it, it, there's legitimately good ideas and game decisions there and it's worth playing them before you get to like, yeah, you can just play the 3D Metroid Prime and it'll be really cool and fun and interesting. But I, I mean, I guess it is part of the history, but there's also really good ideas and also just it's impressive. Yeah what they did the first time. Like, I always play Super Mario 64 and think, damn, they did it all right. <laughs> like, the first time in a 3D game when no one else could. This is, I, I still love playing that game so much. There are just some very timeless old school games, like Our Unicorn, which, you know, most people would know better as Space Invaders. Like, you can't really take Space Invaders and upgrade it for the modern age. It's it knows its limitations, and rather than fighting against the low hardware, it's just like, how can I make a fun game with this poor hardware? It's not like a, it's not like a game more like Daggerfall, where it, it kind of suffers under the space constraints. I will say that, though, I might agree with Mitch that there's only so old school that I can go. I think before the, at least in America, 1985, like the NES era, Going back into those old Atari Magnavox games, that's rough for me. That is not an area of retro I have explored that um, it, it's just not palatable. <laughs> Most of them are very hard. That's very much like a historical, interesting artifact. But like, do I actually want to go play adventure or, you know, I don't know. I do kind of want to see E.T. Like, how could you design something so ununderstandable? <laughs> but... Uh, you know, I, I get it. There are limits. And I wonder if my limit for Atari games for some other kid today would be NES or Super NES games. You know, will they remain as timeless or will people see them as as obtuse and strange and archaic? Time will see. Well, again, it's like I was saying, some games are just, they don't fight against their hardware limitations. It's very simple graphics, very easy to understand gameplay. Space Invaders, Pong, or I can't remember what the original one was called. I think it's, I think Missile Command is the original one. You know, the one where you're shooting down the missiles that are coming down. That one. Like, those are, they'll always be good. Yeah. It's, it's like a more cartoony graphic style will look good far, far further into the future than something attempting photorealism because what makes people pop and say, oh, wow, the graphics are so realistic. Like, remember when the original Half-Life 2 came out and then look how look at how dated Half-Life 2 looks now. <laughs> and versus compare that to something more like Slime Rancher. Like, Slime Rancher is going to look great 20 years from now, whereas Half-Life 2 already looks pretty bad. And it's only been, what, 17 years? Right, I, I think there's still hope. I... I can open Super Mario Bros. 3, and even though it's clearly archaic by Mitch's standards, it's it's something I feel like can be appreciated, hopefully, even a hundred years from today. Uh, yeah, and I do think that they would count, or Mitch would count, Super Mario Bros. as a retro title, considering how, you know, 5 the retro gamer, the first game we saw him playing was Chomp Kitty, so I, I'm assuming that means that Chomp Kitty, a.k.a. Mario... Is, uh, is a retro title. And Mitch is, let's be honest, kind of a jerk. <laughs> and I always want to rag on Mitch, but 
I had just uh, conveniently watched some SpongeBob episodes this morning, and <laughs> I it, it reminded me that you know a Squidward character can be really great in a show, but Mitch, a Squidward, he is not. I just don't like him. <laughs> hey, hey, he can obviously not be a Squidward. Five has not lovingly smelled his toes even once. <laughs> I don't know if that's what I would define as a good Squidward. It's it's more that like there's just nothing. Mitch is never redeemable, where Squidward is. And also, Squidward's awfulness is generally entertaining, whereas Mitch is generally just a mean dude, you know? Like, Miko is is just really unfortunate that he has to show up, but I get it, you know? But I also am not as entertained when, you know, he gets thrown off into a lake. I'm much more entertained when Squidward is laughing and collides with a jellyfish and falls off a cliff and explodes. I, I, I don't know I, why. That's what I was thinking of. <laughs> I was thinking of that exact scene when you <laughs> talked about Mitch falling into the lake. I, although I did love how awesome he looked for the max death and then the max fail afterwards. But uh, as far as Mitch is concerned, I say keep watching. They've, uh, they've gotten him into a good groove now, and um, I would have to look at the episode list to know the order. No, 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 I don't have to. They're going to start characterizing him uh, in a more three-dimensional way in the next episode he's included in. I'm glad he's finally upgrading from 2D to 3D. I'm excited. The, the, the next episode he's in will be his first toe in the water, but they are going to start the process there. It, it, it will be just a toe. I don't want you to expect miracles in the first episode. Hey, like, you know, I love Squidward. I'm fine with occasionally he gets to direct a band and the rest of the time he's just that guy wearing that khaki polo never to be likable ordering taking people's orders that's fine you need that sweet victory sometimes baby was there was there more you wanted to say i'm trying to think if there's anything i wanted to i only have random notes like but i don't know if there's much to say like why did the unicorn machine have a USB interface, but <laughs> I don't think that's what we're talking about. It's called Universal, David. I mean, they had USB in the 90s, so if that's when retro happened in the Glitch Tech universe. But. I do believe that Chomp Kitty was released in 1993. So that's a little later than, like, the first Super Mario Bros. Yeah. I, I, think, I think the timeline is a little compressed. Like, I think Ping came out much later than Pong did. Yeah, Pong Our World's like, what, 71? Straight facts. Don't even fact check me. Don't even check Wikipedia. You don't need to. Uh... <laughs> David's checking Wikipedia for you. 1972. I'm so damn close. Ooh. That was in North America, though. In Japan, it was released later. So I guess Atari yeah. is an American company. I'm so confused. Do I not know what Atari is? It is an American game developer. Why did I ever think that it wasn't? Um, probably Nintendo and Sony polluted your brain. Yeah, well, look at look at America go. We made virtual tennis. <laughs> Never forget. Um, other than that, the only thing I want to toss in here is the another reference to Fanboy and Chum Chum with the deliberate mentioning of the Frosty Freezy Freeze. Uh, in addition to the Frosty Mart sign that is visible every time you see the Here's what's in this shopping center sign at the Hanobi store. <sighs> With Paramount Plus existing, will Fanboy and Chum Chum ever come back? Um, 
I hope not. I hope to every god that it that it doesn't. But <laughs> I do not understand the hate that fanboy and chum chum gets. I I really don't. I enjoyed it back when it was airing. It was it was never a top tier series for me, but it was always a treat. I think it's one of those things where maybe if it was 2D animation, I would be able to stomach it more because it's just so wild looking. Or maybe if I was like eating Captain Crunch and 20 years younger, <laughs> then I'd be able to really get into it. Dressing a little like Quail Man, maybe? Yeah. You know, if I still occasionally put my underwear on the outside of my pants instead of the inside. Yes. And don't forget the belt on your forehead. <laughs> anyway, guys, that's been us on Ping. Join us next week. Until then, I'm GC13. And I'm David. Don't forget to leave us a review uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com.